0: Hello fellow lawsters, welcome to the next episode of L.O.L. Love of Literature. And today we have with us another guest. Her name is Patrice Gopu and I would like for Ms. D.M.P. to give a formal introduction of our guest. Uh, Welcome to L.O.L., Patrice Gopu. Patrice Gopu is an award-winning essayist. Her um, work has appeared in a variety of publications including Catapult, Creative Nonfiction and Charlotte Magazine. She's the author of All the Colors We, S- we Will See, a um, Barnes & Noble, Discover Great New Writer's Selection. Her debut book, All the Places We Call Home, has just been released this year, 2022, June. Patrice lives with her family in North Carolina and she's uh, got an author web page, which is www. Dot um So welcome and uh, we are going to have a, a memorable session today. Uh, so uh, Danya, over to you for the first question. <clears throat> yes. Uh, Ms. Patris, from your bio we could uh, find that uh, you, you had been writing non-fiction and you had won a lot of awards for that. Yeah. So uh, the book that is recently released which was in June Uh, It's an illustration book, so I'm sure it's a fiction book. So how was this transition from nonfiction to fiction? Was it organic or
1: uh, were you, you know, were you writing nonfiction and you thought, why don't I just try fiction for once? Yeah, absolutely. First, I just want to say to both of you, thank you so much for having me as a guest today. It is really a delight to be here and I just appreciate the work you do to elevate Mm -hmm. authors. So thank you so much for that. Um, and yes, that is, Dania, that's a great question. Um, so just a little background. As you said, I originally came to writing as an essayist, a personal essayist working in the field of creative nonfiction. And really, that is where I saw myself as a writer. Mm-hmm. And one day after my first book came out, my collection of essays, All the Colors We Will See, I would say it was about a year after that, I was sitting with a couple writing friends and one of my writing friends was talking about um, her forthcoming picture book. And I was just sitting there and in that moment, I thought about an essay that I had in my collection, All the Colors We Will See. And I thought, you know, this essay, I think it could be a good start for a picture book. Um, Now, the reality is, I had read a lot of picture books at that point. I mean, I had um, younger girls at the time, and or younger children at the time, and I had read plenty of books to them over the years, and so I was quite familiar with reading picture books. But I was significantly less familiar with how to write a picture book, and so that kind of idea that taking this essay. And using it as a springboard for the manuscript for this picture book um, started me on this journey of seeking to learn to understand how the form works. How do picture books work? Because I think, honestly, each each genre or category in writing is its own unique thing. Uh, And I think there's something for us to learn as we embark within these different maybe writing categories because while I certainly had experience as a writer as an essayist I didn't necessarily have the tools and skills quite yet to try and understand how picture books work so that's so I started so I started learning that was the biggest process and so to answer your question about that transition from nonfiction to fiction that was really interesting because the book all the places we call home that's my debut picture book it is based on this essay in my collection. So it is based on fact or truth. But then I was empowered in the process to bring in fictional elements to it. And that was really challenging at some points. There was was a point in the time when I was working on the manuscript where I felt like it wasn't quite working. And then I thought to myself, wait, this is fiction. I can actually create something here instead of um, I often think in nonfiction that we are shaping something. We're revealing what already exists. Whereas I think in fiction, at least in my experience so far, is that we're almost building something and creating something that doesn't yet exist.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So uh, what age
1: group is this for, this book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the picture book on the cover or... Wherever in the book, if you look at the category online and stuff, it says that it targets four to eight year olds is okay. the target age, four to eight mm-hmm. year olds. But certainly, as a fan of picture books, I really believe that any age can really enjoy a picture book. But yeah, it doesn't yeah. necessarily yeah. need to be children. And I, I often, agree. Yeah. yeah, you you agree? Yeah. Yeah, but I, but, but what happens is uh, normally they they
0: expect you know, or, mm-hmm. uh, especially parents. What age right. group is it? You know,
1: when it is right. a children's
0: book, they expect. That's why right. I asked you. It's yeah. true. No,
1: you're <laughs> absolutely right. You're absolutely right about that. That um, it, it is helpful yes. to have kind of an idea mm-hmm. of who, who is the age of a child in mind for this yes. book. Yeah. So, um, okay. if I may ask you, um, are you a teacher
0: or a, a profession? and how is that helping you in your Mm -hmm. writing? Uh, Can you explain, I mean, can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I would say, yes, I do teach. I teach classes about writing, but I don't necessarily teach children. So, Mm. I, I mean, I have at times worked in volunteer programs where I connect with children, and I have, you know, volunteered in classrooms and things, but I I myself don't necessarily teach children. Now that said, my um, parents were both in the field of education. My father um, was a school principal and my mother was a school nurse. And so I feel as though my experience growing up was very much around education in different forms. And so I think that is certainly something that I have observed that is part of me. And I think it does serve me in terms of just reaching out and connecting with school communities or summer camps or whoever might you know be interested in learning more about the story okay so usually what happens with writing a book or targeting a book or
0: writing a book having a target in mind is that you know while you're marketing the book you know that you know you have a fair idea of the target and you can you know that there are certain things that you can do that the target will be attracted to. but especially for a children's book the problem is that the target that you have in mind is not the target that's going to purchase your book. Like it's the parents who are going to purchase the book for their children. So the children have absolutely no clue about the book or they do not even, you know, Your actual target is, it's not your, uh, you know, um, potential buyer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you, you know, ha- what is the strategy to attract the potential buyer to reach your target?
1: Yes. Yes, Absolutely. And you are so right. That is one of the challenges, I think, within children's literature in general for authors and publishers and things is how do you connect the stories with children, recognizing that within this industry, there are um, what they would call the gatekeepers, the people who actually allow children to see the Mm -hmm. work. And so part of it, I think, yes, definitely, it is great to connect with children. And that is wonderful if you... Attending things like festivals, like children's literature festivals, things of that nature, um, doing school or summer camp visits. I think those can be some really neat ways to cr- potentially connect directly. But that said, you also want to keep in mind who are the gatekeepers. And the gatekeepers in this situation are often going to be people like librarians or people like teachers. Or um, you guys mentioned parents. I have also found grandparents to be quite mm. a big. Um, purchaser of picture books and children's books for their grandchildren. And so some of it is trying to figure out how do you connect with those people. And one thing that I will say that has been really helpful for me is I actually had that essay collection that came out before this picture book. So in many ways, there were already people who were aware of my work. I have a newsletter that um, that I run. And so People are subscribed to that newsletter because they were already interested in my writing in my essays in my first book, and so that audience has then become interested in um this picture book and not even necessarily for themselves, but they are interested in my work, and so when they heard that I had a picture book come uh, coming out they were eager to pre-order it for people in their lives. I've received messages from people saying they ordered a copy for um, a program that they volunteer with, a children's program that they volunteer with. They ordered um, a copy for maybe their church or something like that. But just even if they don't necessarily directly connect with children themselves or have a child or grandchild, They were looking for places that they wanted to bring this book um, to that community. So I think that's one thing that I would say about writing books is that you are doing this over a long period of time, that you are building that interest, your audience over time. And so one book is going to feed into the next book and it Mm -hmm. is going to help you connect with these people who already really like what you're doing. So those
0: essays you wrote before this book,
1: those yeah. essays are for adults
0: or children?
1: No, no, those are for adults. Those okay. are for adults. Oh,
0: it understand. targets
1: adults. So, okay. um, but you know what I think is interesting um, is that while those essays target adults, they are dealing with similar themes to what my picture book is is interacting with, and so that's something that I think is really often the case for us as writers. Is we have um particular themes that we will circle back to again and again in our writing. That there are often these themes that subconsciously. Will come back.
0: Um, yeah. Did you say no, not even consci- no, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm conscious? Oh,
1: without conscious. Yeah, without even being conscious about it, just subconsciously. Revolve around a particular theme. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so I think one of the things, though, is as we continue to write, I think we are more in a position to recognize what some of those themes are. And in that way, I think it helps us better connect with the people who are interested in our words, interested in thinking about these themes. And so for myself, I know I write a lot about identity formation and home and belonging and some of these types of experiences. And so within my um, newsletter, for example, where this is where I'm often, where my audience is, is connecting with me is through my newsletter. I'm often, you know, in different ways talking about some of those ideas. And so when a picture book comes out, like I said, these people may not necessarily be in that target four to eight year old. Well, they're not. If they're signed up for my newsletter, they're not in that target four to eight <laughs> year old um, audience. <laughs> and they don't necessarily have children in the, but what they're interested in is the ideas and themes that I am presenting. And they want to help get that into the world as well, which well, So how is this book going,
0: uh, Pat Patris? How is this book going now? Meaning uh, not in the sales aspect, but uh, uh, reviews uh, have you got any reviews from children and if you are having any children did, did they read what were the uh, uh you know their opinion on the book the ex- experience
1: yes absolutely so i will say i have not necessarily heard directly from children which i think is absolutely fine because i i feel again there's a reason we have these gatekeepers mm-hmm. um i think we, but at the same time i have heard from adults and caregivers about the impact of the book on children. So I know I just received a note a couple of days ago from someone oh. who shared that her um her grandniece so not her niece but her grandniece had read this book and just was so taken with the story and also the illustrations. So there's a little girl in the illustrations and she wears her hair in a certain way and the little and her and this woman's grandniece um was really excited to want to try to wear her hair in a similar way. I just think it's such a powerful testament to the way um, stories and Mm -hmm. representation can impact a child. And so I've definitely heard of that. I have heard from um, some of the visits that I've made to summer camps of the impact that the book has had on children there and how excited they were for an author to visit and share about the story. And, um, and yeah, so just different people have shared. I've heard from, um, parents. So, yes, I've heard from a variety of people who have shared just the impact this book is having on um, your child's life. And yeah, so, I, I just want to also give, uh, um, you know, credit here to Janine Muhammad, who's the illustrator for the book, and just the fabulous illustrations, I think, are part of what draws people into this story so i'm so grateful for those illustrations Mm
0: -hmm. yeah you had
1: told us that you had taken one of the essays from your previous book and
0: you thought it might be you know worthy of making it into a picture book how was that process because see an essay has a particular structure it goes through like like it has like a very very meticulous structure to know like how the essay starts and how it ends and you know it's basically like more professional it's more uh you know um how to say that there, there is less scope for maybe fictionizing an essay but for oh, yes, you to make it yeah but to, but to make it into a completely fictionized uh you know a uh, uh, picture book how how different was that process or how hard was the process or maybe for you easy i'm not sure was it yeah. easy or tough <laughs> absolutely
1: no this is a great question so i'll just say about um writing essays first that yes absolutely that you're bringing truth to essays that you're not making things up when you're writing. essays. Now I will say in terms of like structure for the essays, I write a lot of personal essays. So I'm very, um, how would I say open to what that structure might look like? They don't, they don't all look the same. They're not. So I, I do feel as though there's a fluidity I experience as I am writing personal essays, but at the same time, let's be clear. We're not making things up when we're writing personal essays. And so that journey for me to move from taking this story and turning it into a picture book is part of it was whittling that essay in my head down to the core, like the emotional essence of what was happening in the essay, and taking that emotional essence and then starting to build the story from there. Now, that said, when you do read the story, you can read the essay and read the story, and you see where there's overlap because it's pulling from my life to create this picture book, but then there are elements in that where I I am more trying to capture the emotional experience of what was happening in the original true story rather than capturing the actual details of what happened. So an example I will give um, is that in the beginning of the story, it says every night, this little girl, she spins her globe. And then she, she touches and points to different parts of the world that are important to her story. Now, that's not something that was in the essay. That's actually something that I, um, I created. And interestingly enough, it wasn't fully just created. It is actually based on some other... Incidences in my life, but then I took it and fictionalized it and turned it around to fit the story that I was looking to tell. Mm-hmm. This did take time because for me to move from writing nonfiction and um, be inhabiting this world where you don't make things up. It did take me like effort to say, almost give myself permission to say, well, we can focus more on the emotional truth of what is going on here rather than the actual truth of what is going on. Understood. Mm-hmm. understood. And
0: how was your research for, you know, let's uh, forget the other essays, let's just focus on this particular essay that you have done into the story. How was your research for that particular essay and how different was the research for this book? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, though, it's, though it's fictionalized, I'm sure there is a part of research that went into it some form of, like, not even if it wasn't empirical research, it was some kind of a behavioral research. You, you must have put those ideas out to people who, who you were close with and you've gotten, you know, feedback. How was it? How different were the research for these people? Yeah, you
1: know, absolutely. Forms? Yes, no, that's a great question. So, you know, I will say, in terms of the research for the essay, Um, So just to give a little bit of background about what this essay is, it's called Before. And what happens in the essay is that I am in rural Zimbabwe. So my husband is from Zimbabwe, and we were in rural Zimbabwe visiting his grandmother. And I had my toddler daughter, um, and I was holding her, and I was about to put her down for a nap on her great-grandmother's bed in rural Zimbabwe. And in this essay, I remember being a child in rural Jamaica, so my parents are from Jamaica, and I remembered being a child in rural Jamaica visiting my grandmother and taking a nap on my grandmother's bed in rural Jamaica. So this essay kind of weaves back and forth between this present moment of the narrator with her daughter um, about to put her down for a nap, and then goes back in time as well to this past moment of the narrator remembering being a child. So that was um, the essay, and actually for that particular essay, one of the things that was a big part of that research was actually talking to my mother and kind of fact-checking my experience of Mm -hmm. what I remember about Jamaica Mm -hmm. and visiting and that time, because I have some very distinct memories, but then I also wanted to confirm, would this have actually happened the way three-year-old me is remembering it? And what, what other elements are there? And you know, an interesting um part of this essay is my mother gave me some details about just where we were visiting my um grandmother in rural Jamaica that I didn't remember. And so that was actually something I included in the essay where I said I don't remember these things that were part <laughs> of that experience and I go on to say my daughter will not remember these elements that were part of her experience. So it was a really nice way of bringing those things together and bringing in the details without me necessarily having to have remembered the details. Mm -hmm. And so -hmm. so that was some of the research there. When I moved to the picture book, I actually had a lot of that research already from the essay Mm -hmm. that I could Mm -hmm. bring in some of those details But one thing that I found that was true is I write in a very, um, I would say very lyrical style, very poetic kind of style is how my writing often shows up, which I love, but I felt for the picture book, it was actually a little too much for Mm -hmm. the target audience. And I needed to cut back on some of that. And so I actually needed to find some other details that maybe were not White, the ones I had already picked because they were so lyrical and poetic, and so that was, I guess, the next step of research that I did when I started working on that was gathering other details. So I spoke with my mother-in-law, my husband's mother, about um, some of the trees that would have been present in rural Zimbabwe to kind of give a more concrete feel to mm-hmm. um, the details that are there, and just mm-hmm. some of those other things that were going on. So. One of the things that I so I started I I ended up taking a class that um it was a kind of a self-paced class that I took about writing picture books. And that's how I ended up creating my first draft for um all the places we call home. And once I had that draft, I needed to go through a revision process and figure out well, what elements are here, what um what what do i need to add what do i need to take away some of those things so that was really me starting to research the industry as well understanding how picture books work so what is a typical word count in a picture book okay. um what are some maybe typical expectations we have of main characters in picture books um so some of that kind of things those types of things went into What's the- what word count uh, yeah. So, you know, oh. it's interesting. It does vary. Right now, a lot of people are saying picture books should be under 500 words. Um, But I think there is room. There is room for that. So my <laughs> manuscript, I think it's about 600 words. And yeah. I have heard editors even share that depending on the story, they are open to going higher. But you just have to be careful. So nonfiction picture books, so picture book biographies or just nonfiction topics, those tend to run a bit longer. So maybe a thousand words, 1200 words, something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess the point, though, that I would say is that it's just important to kind of know what the conventions are within the industry. So, for example, you're not submitting like a twenty five hundred word picture book because that just isn't really what is happening in the industry. So so that was some of the other research that I was doing just to understand. So. I will just direct um, your listeners, if they want to visit my website, patricegopo.com, and if they go to the bottom of my website and click on the writing resources tab, I have a writing resources tab there, and people can go and um, I have listed just all the different resources that I have used as I've grown in understanding how things work in children's literature. So they go to that page and they scroll Almost to the bottom, they'll see my resources for children's literature and writing picture books.
0: So uh, there is this, uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure if I should call it a pressure or like maybe an expectation on, uh, you know, children's book authors that there should be some form of a message Mm -hmm. or some form of, you know, like positive reinforcement that Mm -hmm. they have to bring in through a book. Did you feel that while you were writing or did you think that, you know, I'm, I'm going to have it like my book has that already. So let me just go with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great question. Thank you for that, too, because I would say. In my understanding of the industry within picture books, it's really interesting because there is this idea of you don't want to. um, How would I say it? yes that there is a message but you don't want to make it so obvious, obvious. That it's this sense of, right so there's that on one hand and then there is this i i would well, i don't even know if i'd say on one hand so that is there that this idea that yes <laughs> have this present but at the same time it's not so overt that it's so you know it's much more like woven into the story when I took my um, class, and I list the class on my website if people want to go see that, but when I took that class, the idea that I really liked is that the teacher talked less about a message and more about this idea of a theme. What might be the theme that is here within the story that is relevant for children? And so for me, I felt like my theme really, um, maybe at a broad level, was around identity and and who we are and celebrating who we are. Um, So that was like my larger theme. And then as I narrowed in a little bit, I guess maybe the message that comes through in this story is that the places – um, you know, connected to our stories, connected to our history matter, even if we don't live in those places. They're part of who we are and we can mm. celebrate those places. Mm. Lovely. Mm-hmm. And so so yeah, so that's how the story comes through. But I would say it's it is subtle in the presentation. It's not necessarily just in your face like that. But that said, you know, Dania, I I I've read a lot of picture books and I think some of them are much more clear, like this is the message. Be who you are and love who you are. You don't have to follow after whatever everyone else is doing or it's okay to be sad or, you know, this is how a way to care for a friend or something like that. I have seen that as well. So I um, I think just as within adult books, you get such a wide range of how people engage with themes and messages you see that as well in children's books too
0: um i personally i don't know think that a children's book uh, should have all the fun all the experience the child can get um rather than preaching something there uh, and, and when you said it's subtle then i thought okay that's that's good uh, you know I, like you said uh, you know you should you should be inclusive you should be you, it's it's you you can be sad and all that you know directly they say, and i think uh i mean even we were like that uh, we as children we didn't like to be preached to be to be to be, to be the, you know advised and all right um we know right. um, yeah so, so 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 when the girl you said she could she was uh, interested in doing her hair and all uh, it shows that she's getting some experience fun mm. out of it and that's the whole point of a picture book i think and the pictures of course the illustrations will do more than the words of course mm-hmm. uh, practice we'd like to know how your uh you know uh the illustration how did it come about because uh there are places where the author would give suggestions to the illustrator and sometimes the the illustrator takes all the liberty and they just do the work because they've already understood what the author wants from them if you had like to work with the illustrator had you given them the entire story to read so that they got the story first and then they you had like back and forth editions. how
1: did that go yes absolutely so my experience with working with the illustrator was um when my publisher acquired my the text for this story The art director then went and found um, the illustrator for the project. So I actually did not have really, I I did not help to choose the illustrator. They did share with me um, some potential illustrators, and I just kind of gave some feedback about some potential illustrators. And in the end, um, they chose Janine Mohammed, which was a great decision. She is fabulous. And as you saw already, her illustrations are just amazing. But in terms of our connection in that process, I was not, I was very uninvolved with the illustration process. Um, I, at the very beginning, when Janine was starting to do some sketches, she did have a few questions for me about what I had been envisioning um, in certain ways. So she asked me a little bit about how I envisioned the hair for the mother and the daughter in the story. And then In terms of one of the locations that is mentioned in the story, she asked me a little bit, um, just what what I was envisioning in terms of that place, and so so that was my input really, and that wasn't even directly through her. We did that through my editor and the art director and things of that nature. So my um, my input was very limited into the illustration process, and I do think while that is not always how it happens. It is fairly common that that is how an illustration process happens, how an author and an illustrator might work together once um, a text is acquired by a publishing house. Um, But again, like I said, it's not always that case. I think it, it can depend on the publisher. But one thing people have asked me is what the collaboration is like between the illustrator and the author and i would say from my experience i don't actually really think of it as a collaboration i i feel like a collaboration to me implies more of that interacting together coming up with ideas together working together and that really wasn't how this process happened what i think of it more as is that i brought my gift of words to the book and janine brought her gift of illustrating to the book and these two gifts combined created this thing that is so much more than just our individual gifts alone and that's how how did you like that gift from her in the end oh my goodness I loved it so much you know the first time I saw the sketch of the mother and daughter I just started to cry because there is I mean it is amazing as an (laughs) author when you write to have someone illustrate your words and to to take this thing and create another art form from something you've created. I have had that happen a couple times with essays that I've written where when they published um an artist created an image to go with the essay and every time that happens it's just it I just find it so moving when that happens. And so with a picture book, it's like your entire text is now in illustrations. Yes, and, and you and,
0: I, I, and you didn't tell even as uh, one tiny change you wanted any change.
1: Um, so when we did see some of the final things, there were a couple. Um, there were a couple things that I pointed out that maybe we um not so much that I felt like they needed to be changed, but just kind of for accuracy of the story that mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. were very very minor things. Okay. One thing I will say that's super fun about this book is the title. Like I said, it's called all the places we call mm-hmm. home. And mm-hmm. it, in this book, this little girl, she spins the globe yeah. and touches these different countries that are important to her. And then through stories, the mother shares memories of these different places, these different countries. Yeah. So something that um is true here is that I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. So Alaska, a state in you know, the a state the in the US. the US. And and so this Alaska is not mentioned in this book because why <laughs> well, so for me i I felt as though we were talking about different countries and moving from countries, and I just felt like I didn't want to put a state on the same level as a country i, oh, I just u s so- states have each state is a country <laughs> and That's how big it is, isn't it <laughs> but i I think for me, I just felt as though. I'm speaking about countries and I wanted to compare things. Yeah, the children
0: might get confused. I understand what you mean. Yes, yes. Alaska
1: was not included, but the title is All the Places We Call Home. And it Mm -hmm. is very much based on my own experience. And Mm. um, and so I felt Mm -hmm. a, a little sad that this, Alaska's not here in the book, and so your next thing,
0: picture book, your oh, next picture maybe
1: my next book, But one thing <laughs> that was really cool that Janine did is she put little like hints of Alaska in the images. So this little girl, she's holding a seal, so mm-hmm. like, um, and then there's another picture where there's a drawing on her wall, and the family is in snow and stuff like that. And there's a picture of a lamp and there's a whale at the bottom of the lamp. And so these things that she did, um let me see if I can show. Okay. Them. These things that she did. So there's the whale and there's the family with the snow. Those little things she did were actually um kind of for Alaska. <laughs> and so it was supposed to be so, representative of Alaska. So, even though it's not in the yeah. text. It um so- it, it is it's still in the story. So we talked
0: about all the illustration, illustrator. So how did this manuscript reach the publication?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I have a literary agent, and she represented me for my essay collection. And so when I first came up with this idea about this picture book, she thought it was a great, great idea. And, I, um, and she is actually the first person who read, I don't even call it the first draft of this manuscript. I... I feel as though I call it my first attempt to write this mm-hmm. manuscript. And I remember I, I took this, um, I sent her my first attempt and she said to me, Patrice, can you imagine, a a parent and child like snuggling up to read this story? And I thought, mm-hmm. no, not right now. I can't <laughs> imagine them doing that. So it was very truthful feedback, but, um, but also it, um, you know, it, it was hard at the moment and Then I thought, okay, I need to figure out how to do this because I actually don't know how to write picture books. So, um, so I just feel like my agent was very helpful in pushing me in the direction to stretch myself, to learn about writing picture books because of that feedback on that early attempt at taking the essay so she said
0: uh can, she just asked you a question can a child and mother snuggle and uh read this uh and you thought it it requires working that's all okay but what re- what was it that it required and what did you do yes
1: absolutely so one of the things, as I mentioned earlier, is that I have this very poetic, lyrical voice. And that even shows up in the manuscript or in the um, book here, all the places we call home. But part of the challenge is that there really wasn't a story yet oh. for the book. So oh. if you think about say. say. Um, When I talked about it earlier, it was this essay where I moved from looking at my daughter, taking a nap on her great grandmother's bed, then me remembering, then looking at my daughter, then me remembering. And I think for an essay, this works really well because there's this like contemplative kind of thinking and um, you have the space for the deep reflection from the um, narrator and all that. But what was missing when I took that to make it into a picture book was an actual story and mm. i hadn't found what the story was yet okay
0: okay so all the story came later after that uh, uh, feedback from her
1: yes Is it, it did and i took that okay. class that i mentioned and that really helped me understand how,
0: how was the editing process and how yes. it reached the final
1: stage yes absolutely so the editing process with my editor that that was a great process. I really appreciated that she had some very, um, just some good suggestions. But one of the suggestions that she had was that it felt like there needed to be a little bit more in the story. So in the original essay, as I mentioned, I am moving back and forth between remembering in Zimbabwe, remembering in Jamaica. So there's these two countries that are mentioned and my original um My original version that my editor accepted um, only featured this little girl traveling through these stories to these two countries. And oftentimes in picture books, and actually in writing in general, they often talk about this idea of the rule of three, that three feels like a much more complete um, journey or complete experience. And so what I recognized was that this story was actually missing that third element and this is where that that space of moving from nonfiction to fiction was tricky because in my head I thought but in the story I'm placing my daughter down for a nap in Zimbabwe and I remember Jamaica and those are the only two places and I kept feeling very tied to that and then I had this moment where I thought no But you know what? Your family is also connected to South Africa. That's where I met and married my or I didn't marry my husband in South Africa, but we met in South Africa. Our first child was born in South Africa. I have experience in South Africa, too. And that's also part of our story. So I, I used something that was real to then add this fictional element and bring in that third element to make that rule of three. And that felt significantly more satisfying as a read. That's
0: that's brilliant. But you, you just talked about the content editing. Uh, can you tell us what happened in the uh, language editing uh, of oh, your manuscript?
1: Yeah. So I will say there wasn't a ton that happened in the actual, like, Line edits, process. I mean, there was some. Certainly, there was some. Um, there. One of the things that I remembered is, for clarity of the story, we kind of moved a few sections around. Because it didn't quite make sense on the page with the illustrations, the way that they were mm, um, mm,
0: mm, that they were gonna
1: be. and so that was something mm. that we we moved around a little bit. There was also a place where we were playing around with word choice for a while, so I remember that yeah, I that's what remember. yes,
0: that's that's important you, can you tell us uh, how you simplified it or what you did uh, 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 the the words
1: please? Yes, well, mm-hmm. so I would just say. In terms of me moving from that very lyrical essay to this okay book, is that i um I started writing all over from the very beginning. I think sometimes inclination um. can be to cut and paste and move like that, but if you start writing from the very beginning, then you're feeling yourself typing those words or writing those words and and asking yourself, "Does this word fit here? Is this the right word choice mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. um yeah so Anyway, so I would say that was something about the word choice. Did you maybe. have and any did, beta readers uh, um, ch- as children? No, and? I didn't. Well, I did, <laughs> I did ask my own kids to read it, but you know, I um, I did not have beta readers so much as children. And one of the reasons I don't do that a whole lot is because it is not a complete experience—just reading the text. Um, Because it's going to come with illustrations. Yes, exactly. Part of what makes a picture book really sore and for children to connect with is the illustrations being present. But I did um, ask, you know, people in my critique group and, um, you know, people at the class I was taking, the teacher was reading my manuscript, things of that nature. Those types of people I did seek feedback from my agent Mm -hmm. as well. Um, mm-hmm. Seeking feedback from
0: them about the mm-hmm. manuscript. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, uh, how important do you think the color tones of the book, like the tonal, like how, like the different contrasts and the colors in the book, and the font, the size of the font, or the nature of the font? How important do you think is important? Did, did you discuss from? this discuss with the illustrator and publisher
1: all that? No, Almost. I didn't. So, I mean, so I'll say. I think they're important, but I also did not have a role in that. So <laughs> I, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but I, I do think it is it is very intentional how people are selecting those things. So that's, I think that's the most I would know, is that I believe it is very intentional. Or not even I believe, I know it's very intentional, but I also... Don't know anything about how that. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I have one, but last
0: it, it, but your your publisher has done a very good job. uh that yes. in, in, in choosing the illustrator. Yeah. yeah. And the illustrator, of course, has done so much for the text. Yes. You're, You're very lucky. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have one last question, and then we can go to the next segment. Uh, my question is. Um, uh, you know, you had like won an award for creative nonfiction. Where do you draw that? Because see, uh, there is a high chance of you losing the truth while you're getting creative. And there is a high chance of you losing creativity when you're just, you know, plain stating truths or writing the truth. So where do you mm. draw that line b- between, you know, not making it too creative that it will lose its essence or mm. making it too creative that you know, you forget what the story. You know, you know the the, the actual core of the story. Where is that line?
1: So <laughs> I will just say, I um, just to the point with creative nonfiction. What I think makes nonfiction in the creative nonfiction category is that we bring in some of the elements that are often used in fiction, not the element of making something up, but elements like. Sensory details, and um, we think about some of the pacing. We recognize that that we are telling a story here, not just <laughs> relaying details. So I think the reality is, if you, um, if you, if we think about listening to someone talk about the weather, they could talk about it's sunny today, and it's you know whatever the temperature is, um, and the sky is blue. And that's just giving the information, right? But I feel like with creative nonfiction, we might have information about how does the the rays of the sun fall in the room? How does it feel against your skin? Um, What do I smell in the air? These types of things, I think, are the elements that add, that make a story, or make a nonfiction creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so... Um, so for me, it's less about a line that I have, because for me, I am when I write essays, when I write creative nonfiction, I am I'm not making things up. I'm telling the truth of the matter. And so. I, I don't necessarily have this line that I, I'm crossing or not crossing, because my I guess my line would be if it's not true, then it's not in the story. It's nonfiction. Yeah. It's not, um, but that said, I do think there are ways we can bring in elements that could potentially be fiction into nonfiction as long as we are telling the reader what we are doing. So sometimes when I'm writing, I will speculate about what might have happened in the situation. I might speculate, maybe they felt this way, and that's why, blah, blah, blah. And while that is fiction in a way we don't know, I have told the reader that I'm that speculating. That you're speculating. Yes, and so I think it's fine. as, as so long it's, as again, I'm nonfiction. Letting people know <laughs> that I'm not creating this up. I, You know, that I'm not saying that this is how it is. I am, in fact, just speculating about that. So I think that's, you know, another technique that you can use. But um, But again, I think for not even, I think, for me, and I know for people who write creative nonfiction, the line is "Did it happen or did it not happen?" and you yes. know if it if it's not, then that's making something up. but again, like I said, the creative part is is less about making truth or not make or not making truth but making something up, and really more about what are some of those elements that make a robust story and how can we adapt those elements and use it when we are relaying facts of a story i think
0: i think that is uh, that is uh, forgetting even fiction and non fiction taking them out of the equation i think that would be any authors you know best compliment best compliment that any author gets would be for someone to come and ask us which part of the story is true and which is not because we've made yeah which is we we have just made the truth sounds i mean even even in fiction we've made fiction sound so real so realistic that a a reader Mm -hmm. thinks that it may have happened it Mm -hmm. might have definitely happened and for a mm non-fiction reader he's he's in a world where he the reader is in a world where they think it is completely impossible to have happened but they're still curious you know what if it had Mm -hmm. i think that Mm -hmm. is a that is a very good problem that is a it's it's good to not have that line because you you can you can play with that you know absence of a line for as long as you want to play and you can easily transition from this to that i think that's that's a very beautiful Mm -hmm. uh, thing to do yes Mm
1: -hmm. so i think
0: right now we have come to a, a part of our session where uh our next segment is called World of Ws. World of Ws is nothing but W questions like what, when, where. And if uh, if one of our audience uh, wasn't able to listen to the entire se- session, they could just scroll down here and you know get a gist of what we've been talking till now. So my first question in World of Ws would be, what is your next book about?
1: Um. So I'm working on a couple different projects. I'm working on my next essay collection, and I'm working on picture books. I... I write, I've written quite a few picture book manuscripts. So I'm working in both of those areas. Super. <laughs> so when is your next big book due? Um, I don't have a date yet for that. So probably the essay collection is sometime late next year, but I don't have a date.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so how long
0: do you usually take to, you know, finish a book? Like or how long do it take for you to finish this book?
1: hmm So I would say it varies in terms of length. So um, my first essay collection, it probably took me multiple years, but I wasn't necessarily intentionally working towards finishing a book. I was just writing essays, and I eventually compiled them into this larger manuscript. Um, and so that did take some years. This next essay collection that I am working on, is uh, it's, it's also taken some years as well. Picture books, I find they typically take me less time. The word count is just a lot shorter. So I can go from draft to finished picture book probably in a couple months. But not That's- always. Sometimes you need more thinking, more research. Yeah. It just depends on what's yeah, going yeah. on. So how many
0: drafts do you go do? for a picture book or even for a CIS?
1: Absolutely. Um, many, many drafts <laughs> would be the answer to that. So I lose <laughs> count because at some point I'll retitle it and I'll start at number one again. So I'm not, <laughs> So, so, I'm all, so I maybe I've done 10 number drafts one. and then I retitle it and I'll start at one <laughs> um, But I will say for a picture book that I'm working on right now, I am up to probably draft twenty six I would say for that picture book how how long is that? yeah, so this is a non fiction picture book, so it is about i think it's around twelve hundred words so so I think there's I think it is potentially seeing more drafts than some of my other projects um but okay. I will say. I do do a lot of drafting. I guess the other question, and I think this is always a good question, is at what point do we consider something a new draft versus mm. you just made a tweak yeah. or a yeah. change? And, it and I think people have their various opinions about that. Yeah. I yeah. often will um, think of something as a new draft if I have either um, deleted a section or added a section. But if I just change a word, I don't necessarily think of that as a new draft. Of course, of course. So, yes. Well, but I think it just depends. Like people, I think have different views. Yes, on absolutely. That's yes. right. So when a how draft, has a draft?
0: Yes. So how has social media helped? Uh, you know, in your sales, in the sales of the book.
1: Mm, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know that answer for sure. One thing that I think that social media has done is that. I have people who are on social media who do book reviews and stuff. They have posted reviews of the book on social media, which has been great. And I think it's been helpful to let people know that the book is present, but I don't know if that letting people know that the book is present is necessarily um, translating to sales of the book. But I do think it can help with awareness. You know, my thoughts on social media is I think you have to really know yourself because I think sometimes there is a perception that authors must be on social media all the time. And this is the best way to connect with people. I've actually found, for me, a better way to connect with people is through my newsletter to connect directly through my newsletter rather than on social media. Just because social media, so much can get lost in social media that they may not show your posts or it, everything is moving so fast that a lot of things can get lost in social media. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. also just our own emotional energy that gets spent there that could be potentially i think you have to balance it because some of that yeah. emotional energy could be served by writing instead
0: yeah. absolutely
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely yes uh
0: that's it uh, thank you so much for you know uh having the session with us and if you have any parting words for our audience who are aspiring authors who are looking to write uh, you know a children's books, and if you can share with us how you felt about this entire session it would be great
1: yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me this has been super fun i really appreciate your questions they were very thoughtful questions and i enjoyed this conversation and i will just say to just some thoughts for you know, parting words is I think as writers we we can often begin in an area, but we may branch out into other categories of writing, so maybe we start with fiction and then we move to essays. One thing I just want to encourage people is to take chances and try new things and also don't be shy to learn something new that just because we are writers doesn't mean we understand how all categories work um all you know all genres work. all of that and so i think sometimes even if we've been writing a long time it can be really great to put ourselves in a posture of being a learner and desiring to you know learn something new about the writing life i i think that's one of my biggest encouragements that as writers let us always let us always be readers and let us always be learners lovely i like it
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. We hope this episode brought you a little bit closer to your love of literature. Thank you.